On this episode of Breaking the Game, Austin and I will be continuing to reveal our NBA tiers. Plus, we're going to give you guys a little bonus content. We're going to be talking about how all of the Houston Rockets won out of Houston and what we think about that. So stay tuned. We'll come right back to you after this break. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking the Game podcast. I am one of your co-hosts, Stephen Gillespie, and joining me, as always, is my better half, Austin Carr. Austin, how you doing today, man? I'm doing good, Stephen. That music gets me going every time. I like that intro music. You did a good job with that. It gets me excited for the show. I'm, I appreciate I'm ready it, for man. today, for sure. It, it's so funky, and I love it. You know, I'm a big mm-hmm. Motown guy. I don't. We we haven't really talked about music a lot on the show, but I love no, Motown haven't. music. Nice. Love Motown music. I like oldies a lot. I like classic rock. A little bit mm-hmm. of hip hop thrown in there. A little bit of everything. I list, yeah, me too. I'm I'm pretty well rounded too. I don't get into like the death metals and stuff like that. Yeah. But I, yeah. I do every once in a while, but not too often. It's only like when I work out do I like really listen mm-hmm. to like music that makes me want to like burn my house down. Like there you go. <laughs> you know what I mean? But it just works for some reason. Yeah, but but the music does. I think it kind of fits the show. It's not too edgy, but it's still a little bit of funky. And I like to think of ourselves, you know, in that same vein. You know, we're not For sure. over the top, but you know, we got a little bit of we got a little bit of pep in our mm-hmm. step, and we got you know some good things that we bring to the show. But For um, sure. a, enough bragging on ourselves, and you know, kind of swapping our musical, you know preferences and things like that mm-hmm. Austin, we got a great show lined up today man we're going to be talking about our tears be sure you the viewers and listeners to hit us up on twitter at hashtag btg nba rank so we can have that exchange with you and you can just tell us how right we are and how we mm-hmm. perceive the game you know and what you've yeah. learned from us so, I, mean, I mean there's there's really no arguments to be made about either of our lists so now we can both be right right so there you go yeah, there we go. No, it's obviously all subjective, and we love hearing feedback about it. So, if we're being honest, you know, be as critical as you think you need to be. Yep. And I've been—I mean, I've been married for what, like, almost ten years, so I know what it's like to be wrong every once in a while. You right. know what I mean, Austin? And speaking of which, I want to give you and your lovely wife Ariel a special congratulations for Thank you. your wedding anniversary. I wasn't privy to how long you two have been married. Now, how long has it been? It was our second anniversary. We've been together four years. We've been married for two. Man, congratulations. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a good time. We had a good day. We went and did some shopping, had lunch together, spent a lot of time together. It was nice. Excellent stuff, man. It makes me happy to see, you know, two two well, married you. people, you know, celebrating, you know, their time together, mm-hmm. right? That's cool, man. But before I get into your list and my list, it wouldn't be an NBA show if we didn't talk about recent news, right? And I right. just want to briefly touch on how you're feeling about now that Mike D'Antoni is out of Houston, now that Daryl Morey is out of Houston, now all of a sudden these Houston Rocket players want to speak up and talk about how just upset they are with you know their playing times, the roles that they're in, you know their contract mm-hmm. situations, you know decreasing responsibility year in and year out. Like four or five players have come up and you know expressed their disinterest. Austin. Mm-hmm. How did you receive this? Um, well, you asked how I feel about it. For, at first, I, first off, I kind of feel like I was right, and you were too, to an extent. We kind of had talked about this before, where we kind of 
saw the writing on the wall for this Houston team. You know, we even mm-hmm. talked on the show about how, you know, the owner jumped ship, the GM jumped ship, the coach jumped ship. And, and now it seems like the players are, are doing the same thing. Um, but, you know, when I really think about it, a, a couple things come to mind. How can everybody on, on the team have a diminished role? Like who got, who got all that playtime, who got all that, that, that usage, you know, if they're all complaining that they didn't have a big enough, as big a role as they used to. Well, like, you know who complained that they, you know, who did not complain about their role. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll give you one guess. James Harden. James Harden. You guys, right. you got it right. And, you know, it's interesting to see him, you know, even mention a possible trade destination list or whatever. And, you know, they came out with with a great PR spin on it and said, you know, he's locked in for the season, which, you know, if you want if you can believe that. OK, but, you know, they're just trying to make things sound better than they are. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit pouty, like they didn't get the coach they wanted because, you know, we'd heard that they want, they were pushing for John Lucas to be the head coach. Right. And it almost seems like, oh, man, we didn't get the coach we wanted. This this new guy is going to come in and change things. We can't handle that. I need to be get, I need to get out of here. And I mean, Westbrook has a legitimate gripe. I guess he's uneasy about the, you know, the future plans of the of the team going forward whatever but you know he, he hasn't been there that long but those other guys you know like they've had their time to try this this style of play they've been doing it for four or five years and i just think they hit their ceiling and it's it's not going to go anywhere unless they change some things up um you know a year ago year and a half ago i didn't even really know who daniel house jr was and now he's <laughs> you know on here complaining about not getting enough you know a big enough role it's just mm-hmm. i feel like daniel house jr was the weirdest one to me because he had seemed like he had a pretty good year so yeah i don't know well, what I your mean, thoughts i mean he didn't have the greatest time in orlando you no. know if you remember if you remember that correctly but right. maybe he's just was that right Maybe he's yeah. just embarrassed and doesn't want to show show his face up there again. I don't know. To me, it's just all kinds of dirty for these players to wait and express their displeasure now that everyone who's responsible for their displeasure is now gone. Like, mm-hmm. why do you wait for Mike D'Antoni and Daryl Morey to leave before you talk about you know PJ Tucker saying I didn't think that my contract was fair. You know, you signed it, guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you signed that extension. Eric right. Gordon says, I've just, I'm tired of my role being diminished year in and year out. Okay, well, like, who's responsible for that? Mike D'Antoni didn't renew his deal. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, and by the way, you've been pretty injury prone, right? Like, so they can't push all their eggs in your basket. You know, James Harden right. and Russell Westbrook, they got rid of Chris Paul and gave away a first round tr- pick for their troubles in order to make James Harden happy. This was supposed to be, oh, this is going to work because we're friends. Right. You know what I mean? Like that was like the big twist on this is like, we're going to be even better than Harden and Chris Paul, who almost beat the Golden State Warriors, mm-hmm. right? Probably could have if they weren't for those injuries. But exactly. You know, that's always how it goes. Exactly. Oh, but we're, we're going to be even better than that. You want to know why? Because we're friends. We get along. Mm-hmm. Now everybody's unhappy. Now everybody like, and this is the bad part about player empowerment to me. You know what I mean? Because you wait and gripe, like everyone who is at that organization with the exception of Tillman Fertitta, who is the Mm -hmm. owner, right? Who by and large, the only thing that he does is cut a check. Like he's not like a Mark Cuban. He's not like in the ins and outs. At least it's not, you know, publicly expressed that way. That he mm-hmm. is, you know, telling Mike D'Antoni how to coach his guys. He's not telling Daryl Morey who to sign. You know, Daryl Morey is like considered probably the second or third best basketball, you know, manager of of mm-hmm. roster and personnel 
I would outside of like maybe Masai Ujiri and Danny Ainge, like he's up there in that tier, right? Like he's up mm-hmm. there with the best sure. basketball minds as far as getting talent, you know, turning deals to where it's more favorable favorable for me than it is for the other team. He's like that, right? So like all these guys are gone now. And now all of a sudden, all these Houston Rockets want to be like, oh, I'm not happy here. I want to leave. And James Harden is so upset that he wants to go back to Philly. Philly is one of the teams that he wants to go to. Now, he wants to go mm-hmm. to Philly to be back with Daryl Morey, who, who painted this roster into a corner and then in an admission or wrong said, you know what? I want time away. I want to spend time with my family. He spent like a week with his family and then went to go mm-hmm. to Philadelphia on the East Coast. I mean, it's just it's crazy to me. Well, the whole thing is just a lot of smoke and mirrors trying to make people look better than they really are. Because at the end of the day, you know, I heard Daryl Morey wanted to pursue other other like goals and career paths on NBA radio. <laughs> right. Like a guy that's obsessed with basketball, like literally obsessed with it, is not going to leave a position like that unless he had something else, you know, in his back pocket or at least in at his, his age to too, right? Right. Exactly. You know, he, he could, he's going to work in the NBA for forever. Yeah. Maybe 20 more years doing the same thing. Exactly. And you know, I, I get what you're saying about waiting until those guys leave to complain. And, and and I think that's why, that's why I said, I think it's kind of pouty. I think they didn't get their, their way with who the coach ended up being. And it kind of just seems like now they're going back and like, retroactively complaining about something that they should have been complaining about for two or three years, if it was really that bad. And I was kind of always wondering when this was going to happen. I mean, who, how many NBA players can say they just want to stand in the corner and shoot two or three times a game and watch somebody take the ball to the hole every single time or watch James Harden dribble the air out of the ball. Exactly. And I don't even know that if you ask James Harden, if he would tell you that he absolutely loves it. I think he obviously likes getting his, his numbers, but I, I, I feel like in the last couple of years, he's kind of matured a little bit, at least from what I've seen in interviews and stuff. And it seems to me like he's a little more worried about winning than maybe he was for the first few years there. Obviously, he cares a lot about getting his numbers. That's for sure. And it's what a lot of NBA players are like. He I just, did say no to Chris Paul and yes to Russell Westbrook. Like true. to 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 counteract, you know, this, uh, you know, mm-hmm. this thing you have going on. I would like I don't know. This is like where in, in this is we're, we're going to see this here in a minute when we go through our player tiers. Like people see the game differently based off mm-hmm. of, you know, how they interpret, you know, the breadcrumbs that are left because we never know like the full picture. Like there's mm-hmm. a lot of speculation and concession in this, right? Like we're going based off of how we interpret, you know, the scenarios and situations mm-hmm. that we're privy to, you know, to the extent that we are privy to, you know. You know, you're exactly right. I was thinking about that with the whole Chris Paul, James Harden thing. Everybody talked about it. Oh, the the Rockets got rid of Chris Paul. They didn't want him anymore. Harden said he had to go. It could have been Chris Paul saying, get me the heck out of here. I don't want to play for this team anymore. I can't be, I can't do this. You know, you never, we don't really know. And a lot of times we never will. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple things that I did want to touch on that you kind of brought that you um, reminded me of. I was listening to uh, Gilbert Arenas's podcast. I think it was No um, Chill Gil, or it was either him or Ron Art- or the Ron Artest, maybe. But um, I don't know the name of his podcast. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, they had John Wall on, whoever it was, and he was talking about like today's players versus back in the day. And I think he it made was a good Gilbert Arenas. I think yeah, that's, he made yeah. a good point that uh, 
you know, players today are all friends. They all get along. They all know each other. And they were friends back in the 80s and the 90s, but they wanted to beat each other so bad. And it seems like there's only a few guys that are like that anymore. You know, I think, honestly, I think most guys are more interested in going to a big, nice city where they can live a nice life and play basketball with all their friends, you know, at least early on in their careers. That's how it's kind of seemed to to have been trending. So, I mean, you can say what you want about that. I kind of like players teaming up and player movement a lot. It kind of, you know, keeps things fresh. It's something Mm -hmm. to talk about. It's something to, you know, fire up the trade machines for. (laughs) Yeah. We've been doing that a lot lately. No, yeah, everybody has. Twitter's like (laughs) covered with them. Yes. But, uh, you know, and then another thing, I was listening to NBA radio this morning, and one of the guys on there was blaming um, the Rockets owner, Tillman Fertitta, for not Mm -hmm. listening to Harden and and Westbrook and his players about who to hire. Uh, do Do you think he should listen to the players more or the GM that he just promoted who's doing his actual job? I personally think if the GM wanted this guy, I, I don't know that you can blame the owner. I think that's a little ridiculous. I I mean, and this is like, this is, it's really, again, perception, right? Like, how mm-hmm. do you perceive player empowerment, right? Like, mm-hmm. do you think that at this point, and, and it's always situational, situationally based, right? Like, mm-hmm. you've had James Harden forever, you know? Russell Westbrook is a known commodity, and I would argue a diminishing one at that. Mm. Oh, yeah. You know, you have a bunch of role players on this team. You know, they've had their way. You just gave them a season where they they got their way. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? They got rid of the big guy. They got Russell Westbrook that, you know, friends are all on the same team together. Mm -hmm. And what happened? You know, like same thing that always happens. Same thing that always happens. You know, like eventually the it's like a relationship, right? Like you, you give all and all and all and all, and the other person just stands there like this, right? Like you either need to work on that and express and like be able to talk about that in a respectful way to one another, mm-hmm. you know, or before you get married, right. You just walk, you know, maybe this is not the person I'm supposed to spend the rest of my life with. You know right. what I mean? Like that's how, and, you, you know, that's kind of, that's kind of what my thinking was. It's just like, I feel like a lot of times coaches and front offices, part of their job is to, is to protect the players from themselves to an extent, mm-hmm. because, you know, if, Okay, if LeBron James or Kevin Durant or, you know, even Kawhi Leonard handpicked a coach and said, I really want this guy, I'd probably, you know, be a little bit more on board with it than I am James Harden and Russell Westbrook. You know, know, they've never really won anything. You know, they don't really have that kind of cachet to to walk in. I mean, they're stars. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, and one of the best scorers of all time in James Harden. Like, as much as, like, he rubs me the wrong way, like, mm -hmm. I will also give him credit. He is a super talented basketball player, one of the best Mm -hmm. scorers we've ever seen in the NBA. unreal so if you just really look at his numbers and just just take away all the other stuff about him and the winning and losing and just look at his raw numbers it's unreal or, right or just that. watch him play mm-hmm. <laughs> you know like that too right like both he, he also I kind of reminds you go ahead no i'm just saying the eye test and the numbers that's mm-hmm. all um he kind of reminds you of that slightly overweight kid on the playground that doesn't look like he can play. And then he just goes by everybody the whole game or, or he's got like, you know, like the, you see the old men at the YMCA, they have that old man game. They just know how to play. Mm-hmm. You know, James Harden kind of reminds me of that every year. He kind of adds something to his bag of tricks. You know, he gets a little bit better, a little bit better 
offensively year in and year out. He never fails to add something to his arsenal. So I like that because to be honest, I don't think there's a whole lot of NBA players anymore that have like a legitimate set of moves. You know, there's a lot of really good shooters and there's a lot of really good athletes that can attack the rim, but you don't see guys with, you know, practicing that footwork like Kobe Bryant did. And like, you know, those post-ups Carmelo Anthony. Yeah. On the, uh, the, elbow or you know like michael jordan or carmelo anthony you know those guys basketball the way it was played then it was a lot more one-on-one it was you know they call it hero ball whatever Mm -hmm. you know but at the end of the day you had to be able to take your guy one-on-one and get and and score on him and not a lot of guys really have to do that that much anymore and james harden does it as good as anybody um i saw another thing on twitter where they were asking what who the uh, the perfect teammate for him is, who would be the best running mate for him. I want to get your thoughts because I think he already had it. I think it was Chris Paul. I think they should have used that opportunity to kind of try to move him off the ball a little bit more and just see what you've got there because he is an elite, elite in every part of the offensive side of the ball. You know, he could come off screens. He could play off the ball. I don't know if he'd want to, but I think if he tried it and bought in, it would work. So I got two names that just jump mm-hmm. off like immediately to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think personality plays a big part into the perfect teammate because that's right. why Chris Paul and he didn't get along. Like right. they didn't didn't mesh. I got and they both play different positions. One I think is another guard, and I think it's Kyrie Irving. Mm-hmm. I think both of those two together could take you off the dribble. They can both pass to each other, like they can right. both run the court. Like it would just be impossible, mm-hmm. you know. And right. then the other one, I imagine, as like the perfect pick and roll partner would be Carl Anthony Towns. I think that okay. would be devastating, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but you also got to consider too the ball hand. Like you know, Clay Thompson is probably the the best answer for anybody. Like he's mm-hmm. the the perfect. Like he's genetically engineered to be, you know, the best sidekick ever. Right. You know, who could also take over a game. You he know? doesn't have to move around. You don't have to set screens for him. He doesn't have to have plays run for him. He could just, he doesn't even have to be open, really. You know, no. you just give him the ball and he's going to hit a shot more often than not. It's crazy. Yeah. I, but those two, like, mm-hmm. without without giving it much thought, I mean, you kind of put me on the spot if I did it okay. But, you know, I, I think yeah. um, Kyrie Irving and Carl Anthony. Honestly, I was, from what I saw, the answers on Twitter, almost everybody was saying like an elite big man like Carl Anthony Towns, not really many people were saying anything about a a point guard like I did. I just think, you know, he's so good. It'd be, it's just kind of a waste to act like he's a one trick pony. Like he can't play without the ball in his hands. Cause I think he definitely could. I think Giannis would also be another one. Probably Giannis would be really good with him. Let's be honest. James Harden would go anywhere and exactly. And and pretty much take over on offense. Steph Curry. You know, mm-hmm. why not why not Steph Curry? Well, yeah. Steph Curry is another guy that that's why the Warriors work so well. They got two guys that are terrific scorers and elite elite shooters and they both don't have to dominate the ball. Yeah, they could, they're unself like they're unselfish but also mm-hmm. will drop 30 on you in a heartbeat. Right. Like that's crazy like <laughs> some some of those games back in the, a few years ago, it's like out of nowhere they're up 21 points in like four possessions. And it's just like they hit a three, they get a steal, they hit a three, they get a rebound, they hit another three, and you're done. You know, one of them drops 20 in the first quarter, the other one mm -hmm. drops 20 in the third. Like, yeah, it's we're getting we're getting a little sidetracked off of our conversation, and but I love it. I love these conversations, Mm -hmm. Austin. Um, but yeah, just to kind of wrap it up, um, I personally think the best move is you know we've talked you know what i'm about to say we've talked about this i think they need to just fire sales just get get rid of 
whoever they whoever's unhappy, let them go. Get the best thing you can for them. You like you said, they they have the leverage. Those guys are on all multi-year the contracts. They don't have to move them. And it's not like they can send them without- send them wherever they want either. They can send them. They can do what the Spurs did and say, "You want to go to L.A.? We're sending you to, to, to Toronto." <laughs> you know, like the furthest away the from there. Yeah, yeah. And so, you know, I think you know the Rockets have a, a really good opportunity here to kind of maybe rebuild without really being too bad for very long. Mm-hmm. because you know those multi-year deals for those two guys they are going to get some value in return for them and it's probably going to be a lot um yeah. you know there's and a lot really, of the longer you wait like, too so. the longer you wait too the less years on the deal the more appealing it is too like, mm-hmm. especially with russell westbrook right like the right you know the less years that he has on his deal the more valuable i think there's i think there's something to be said about the knicks just taking him on for three years and saying hey at least we've got a star for three years we're gonna have an all-star again because i I think charlotte needs that i think charlotte needs that more to be honest with you maybe i just think it's you know even as bad as the knicks have been most of our lives they've always had a star player you know they've always had an all-star and an elite top 10 or 15 guy for most of most of our lives at least and this last couple of years they're just you know they haven't really had anything to get people excited to come to the games and at the yeah. very least. And I think that means that that matters a lot in New York more so than maybe other places. Yeah. And, and you may be right. I would just like, we've seen the Knicks like do that, you know, mm-hmm. try to grab the star and like jump start a rebuild. Mm-hmm. I would love to see the Knicks just organically grow. Like that would be yeah. my preference if, if I had a say in the matter at all. Right. But oh, I think, I think anybody would prefer it that way. Honestly. I mean, it, it just kind of feels like the, the, the right way to go about it. And a lot of times it does end up working, but that also takes a really good front office and drafting well and, and, and making some key smaller signings and free agency. And let's, be honest the Knicks haven't been able to, to get a guy in that front office that can even come close to doing that it doesn't seem like so it's kind but, of a tall order hopefully they we'll can talk now, though. we'll talk about this on Sunday when we have coach Fa and couch coach live on our show mm-hmm. when we do a special coaches evaluating coaches episode there this Sunday and we'll be talking about how the Knicks move forward with Tom Thibodeau when they reassign Mike Miller back to being an assistant coach not the Mike Miller who played in the NBA by the way from the Memphis Grizzlies and Miami Heat so on and so forth right but they also fired you know fizdale Mm -hmm. who you know is now you know rocking a sweet afro showing up on espn every once in a while so you know it's it kind of bothered me that they did that that fast because fizdale's a good coach i mean i think he's supposed to do with that team you know it's going to make people look at him and think act like he can't coach you know nobody was going to coach that team any better than that yeah, and it's not, you know, he didn't sign those players. You know right. what I mean? Too. It's not so, like, like Stan Van Gundy in Detroit. <laughs> right, yeah. But we'll talk about more about the Knicks and Stan Van Gundy this yes, Sunday when we have our Coaches on Coaches evaluation episode. But I'm excited about that. I am too, Austin. We're going to go ahead and transition to what the people are all here for, whether they right. are viewing or, you know, listening now or later. We're going to finally unveil my Tier 5, your Tier five and six and again mm-hmm. you have more players than i do this week i mean it's, it's no surprise by the way you evaluated more players than i did overall mm-hmm. right so we're you're kind of catching up as far as you know um number of tier that we're on now next week right. should be a lot easier when we're both mm-hmm. on tier four i was gonna say we're gonna have one one more week we're uneven and then after that we're gonna have you know we'll be four three two and one at the same time so that'll be nice 
it will be nice. But we're going to put that on hold to Sunday. But we're going to continue. We're also going to continue today with what you have as capable starters and high end mm-hmm. starters. And again, you develop some sweet graphics. Thank you, you have our hashtag BTG NBA rank, which is how you're going to be able to interact with us mm-hmm. and let us know how we did. Do you want to go hunt and unveil your uh, starting five that you have on your graphics again? Yeah. So the um, the first one we'll do is capable starters. And uh, the five that I picked for the image is uh, Kemba Walker, Derek Rose, Malcolm Brogdon, Spencer Dinwiddie, and John Collins. It's a pretty uh, guard-heavy lineup, but it looked pretty good when I put it together. So It does look sweet. You got flames in the background. Mm-hmm. All your guys look amped up. They look right. like a button. It, looks, it looks like the Avengers on here. I mean. It's funny looking up images for this kind of thing. It's it's hard to ever find a picture of them by themselves where they're not making some kind of like shouting face or like <laughs> upset with a call. You know, it's the only time you ever see them by themselves in pictures. Yeah, it it, it is great though because you get mm-hmm. to see some really neat images. Or they're always right. pointing. Like John Collins is pointing up. Like a lot of the people, are, like or players, are very suggestive with their hands in these images mm-hmm. as well. You want to move right. on to your other tier. Your tier five yeah and i'm glad you caught that i was kind of I, I was originally trying to try to put one guy pointing towards the name of the of the picture in each one but i couldn't find one for this next one uh so i've got high-end starters and honestly one of these guys on this picture is somebody that and when i went originally did my list i completely forgot about because he was hurt last year mm-hmm. and that's clay thompson um so he's on there with paul george um andre drummond jamal murray and jalen brown so that's my starting five for the high end starters. Yeah, and our um our um president Thank Chris you. LeBron just jumped on and gave you a good attaboy. Says sweet graphics, and I awesome. wholeheartedly agree. You did a really great job on that, brother. I appreciate it. Absolutely. I kind of like, like Drummond's face in the bottom corner there. He just looks like confused or scared. I have that same image for uh, Andre Drummond. I don't know if you caught it of of my million players mm-hmm. that have. On my graphic last week, he mm-hmm. I had the exact same picture. I did notice that. But we're going to move on to my graphic that I developed. It's a uh, tier five, which I dubbed super starters in here. You Pretty, know, man. I'm going to I appreciate it. It's, it's got like a 90 skateboard, you mm-hmm. know, name to it. I, 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 I like, like it. The purple, the light, it's a little dingy around the edges. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty dope. And I'm not going to read all the players off like i did last you know again like i chose to not do last week because we're going to read off these lists actually we'll go ahead and jump into it there you go and i'm going to go ahead and blow this image up so the people who are watching right now can kind of see a side-by-side comparison who do you got here austin for your entire tier six of capable starters my tier six of capable starters consisted of 19 players i've got fred van vliet daniel tice drew holiday Derek Rose, Kevin Love, Kristaps Porzingis, Andrew Wiggins, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Danilo Gallinari, Kemba Walker, Spencer Dinwiddie, De'Aaron Fox, Tobias Harris, Julius Randle, Jonas Valanciunas, Malcolm Brogdon, Christian Wood, Bojan Bogdanovic, the 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 Utah Utah one. Yep, the Utah Bogdanovic, and John Collins. That's my capable starters list. Excellent. And see here, you have 19 in my tier mm-hmm. five. I, I have 22 total. You got another right. 16 in your high end starters. Who who are those players? My high end starters are Jaron Jackson Jr. Who man, I was excited about him before the before he yes. got hurt. He was looking good. D'Angelo Russell, John Wall, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Demar Derozan, Andre Drummond, Pascal Siakam, Clay Thompson, Donovan Mitchell, 
Paul George, Zach Levine, Brad Beal, CJ McCollum, Kyle Lowry, and Jamal Murray. Excellent stuff. And before we move on, our producer just came on the show and said, follow Stephen and Austin on Twitter. You can follow me at StephenBTG. You can follow Austin Carr at Austin Carr 10 and the Breaking the Game podcast at BTG NBA pod. Thank you very much, producer there. Yep. So all in all, you got about 35 players. Mm -hmm. I have my 22 and I'll go ahead and uh, read off my tier five, which I Mm -hmm. dubbed again, the super starters. I have Zach Levine, Andrew Wiggins, De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, Derek Rose, Fred Van Vliet, LaMarcus Aldridge, Gordon Hayward, Jaron Jackson Jr., DeAndre Ayton, Danilo Gallinari, Nikola Vucevic, John Wall, Yosef Nurkic, Tobias Harris, John Collins, Karis LeVert, Kevin Love, Paul Millsap, Draymond Green, Victor Oladipo, and Rudy Gobert. So again, Austin, you know, we didn't, you know, we don't always, always agree. You know, mm-hmm. we do have some variants here and who we have where. Upon first glance, do you have any sort of beef or, you know, we we don't really argue here on the show, right? But like, right. do you have anything that you don't necessarily agree with? I, I'm not going to pull up my skip, my, you know, Shannon Sharp voice on you there, Skip. No, don't worry. <laughs> cool. I do. I do have one guy, though, that's on your list that, you know, I don't like, and it's Draymond Green. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, a lot of it is probably just personal bias because I've just never been a fan of his. But really, honestly, looking at his numbers the last two years, I know they weren't trying to win last year and everybody was hurt and he wasn't, you know, probably going to do anything anyway but it's just rare that you see a guy that's he's not old he's not like he's at the end of his career it just loses shot completely and in the last two years he wasn't ever like a lights out shooter but he could he was capable of you know over 33 or 4 percent from three and you know he shot like 28 24 28 percent or something this year he had a, a bad shooting percentage overall he had the highest turnover percentage in the NBA. He was actually at the very bottom of my list until you reminded me of a few guys that I forgot about and I bumped him out. So, you know, that's one of the ones that you have a little bit higher than I would, um, obviously. But the rest of your list is is pretty solid. I mean, there's a couple guys I would probably move up, but not too much. You know, okay. I, don't, I think Sabonis belongs probably a little bit higher. Now, he did make an all-star team. Yep, he did make an all-star team, right? And there are a couple names on this list who have been on all-star teams before mm-hmm. too, right? Like Vucevic is on there, John Wall. Uh, who else on here? Paul Millsap, Kevin mm-hmm. Love, LaMarcus Aldridge, Gordon Hayward, you know, Derek Rose, a former MVP. Like, there are a lot of established players right here, right? Mm-hmm. But the reasoning why I have the players where I have, and again, I try to adequately title my tiers to mm-hmm. where you can just read the names, on the list and then look back up and say, okay, these are super starters, right? Like you have capable starters and high end starters. And that's interesting to me that you went from fringe to capable to high end, right? Mm -hmm. Me, I just went with steady starters, like guys who will constantly contribute. Mm -hmm. Uh, Super starters is where I started getting into guys who received a little bit more accolades. Right. And that's, you know, when I just gave you that list of names, Draymond Green, you Mm -hmm. know, multiple time champions been an all-star before you know defensive player of the year he's mm-hmm. still a very like even though golden state all around was bad defensively last season you know he was still on a bad defensive team right mm-hmm. like with nothing but young talent and you know undrafted and right you know unproven names right he was still pretty sound on the defensive end and i mm-hmm. think 
you know, also a little bit of projection went into this, right? Mm-hmm. Like when, if you remember when we did our, you know, preseason um, award shows, our way too early NBA awards, I think that Draymond Green is going to have a strong bounce back season. It just, mm-hmm. to me, it was no secret, you know, to, to a lot of folks, what he was trying to do last season, the year prior, I'll give it to you. Right. But they also mm-hmm. had chemistry issues where he and Kevin Durant weren't getting along during the year, you know, DeMarcus Cousins right. was in and out of the line. There was a lot going on with that team, you know, and a lot of people had uncharacteristic mm-hmm. seasons that year. It wasn't just Draymond, right? So, right. And, but even through all that struggle, they were still very successful. And Draymond Green is a big part of that, right? He mm-hmm. initiates a lot of the offense too. Like, I test went into it a lot for me specifically for Draymond Green, right? You know, because you can look at the numbers and immediately become disenchanted with him, right? Like, mm-hmm. but you got to remember this guy's role. You have to remember who's all coming back this season. You have to remember that they're either going to bring in a really talented rookie or they're going to be adding another player to make them even better. He's going to mm-hmm. be able to get his assists up. His defense is going to be there. His rebounding is going to be there. He might even give you eight to 10 points a game. So I yeah. think that with that being said, I think under Superstarter, because my next tier up, I'll able Demi stars. And I think that's too gracious for right. Draymond Green. But I think somewhere between a demi star and a steady starter, which is where my super starters are, that's where Draymond Green lives. Hey, and you know, if you think if you're going a little more on total body work, three All Star appearances in a row, you know, on a, one of the best teams ever, he was pretty much the like the vocal leader and kind of the heart mm-hmm. and soul of that team to an extent. There. You know, I, I I'll give you that for sure all day. Um, I will admit, for everybody except LeBron James, I did this based off of just last year. For some mm-hmm. reason, LeBron just got special treatment because he's LeBron, I guess. I don't know. But <laughs> I just I just kind of realized that while we were talking about it now. He's the only one that I didn't solely base off of like last year. Um, but, you know, you made a couple of good points. You know, he was on a really young team and young guys don't defend well in the NBA. They're just mm-hmm. it's just a fact. Most of them don't. And especially undrafted, you know, late second round guys. They weren't they weren't picked up because they were going to be defensive studs. They were picked up probably because they were going to be in the G League scoring 25 points a game. And, um, and the other point you made is I do think Draymond Green's going to be poised for a, a big bounce back year, especially after all the, the smack he was talking about how they didn't need KD and how good they were without him. I think he's got to back. He's got, he wants to back it up and I think he's going to. So I, I agree with you. I do. You did make a good point there. I do think he's going to have a, ba- a bounce back year. It's just the numbers. When I looked at them, they were. Comp- oh no. Did I lose you Austin? Austin, did I lose you? I think that I lost my co-host. All right, well, I'm going to go ahead while we're waiting for him to kind of get settled back in here on the show. I'm going to go ahead and talk to you guys a little bit about some areas in which I kind of disagree with Austin. And when I gain him back, I'll uh, see what I can do as far as getting him here back on the stream. But um, some areas where Austin kind of confused me a little bit is one Daniel Tice right now. He is listed as a capable starter as opposed to a fringe starter, right? So it's nothing that I think is too terribly like egregious, right? But if you remember, Daniel Tice was before last season essentially was just a, a kind of contributing role player, right? He comes into a proven Boston Celtics defense defensive system that 
makes everybody really look better. And we actually kind of talked about this offline on the sh- on on Twitter, where we talked about how Isaiah Thomas, you know, Kemba Walker, and Kyrie Irving kind of benefited from a really strong defensive system that has been built in Boston. And I think Daniel Tice is kind of benefiting from that a little bit this season. Right. But you have to kind of call it how you see it. He did prove himself to be very well. He was a capable starter and and was so for the majority of the year. But I wonder how much of that was because of his own ability as opposed to specifically, you know, a Boston system. And Austin, glad to have you back. I think my modem just like reset itself or something because the whole Internet just went down and it couldn't reach anything. And I just ran a diagnostic and it fixed itself. So sorry about that. No, it's all right. I was shooting from the hip. I was just explaining to the you know the viewers and the listeners. I'm kind of looking at your list, and the first mm-hmm. one that comes to mind is Daniel Tice. It's not a big gripe for me, but mm-hmm. you have him listed as a capable starter. Mm-hmm. Which, to to be fair, if you're judging solely based off last this past season, he did prove himself to be a capable starter. Mm-hmm. Do you think that that had more to do with his talent? Or the fact that Boston just seemingly has a great defensive system that really doesn't get talked about that much. And I was explaining to you know our viewers and our audience right that we were talking about mm-hmm. offline earlier about how Kimball Walker, Isaiah Thomas, and Kyrie Irving kind of mm-hmm. benefited from being the point guard in the system. And I think Daniel Tice may have benefited a little bit from Boston's defense too because prior to the season, he was just kind of a middling role player. And now mm-hmm. he's jumped all the way to a capable starter for you. What was kind of your reasoning for that? Well, I just think he, you know, he showed me a lot this year. Like you said, he's a very undersized center. He doesn't, mm-hmm. he doesn't belong in the position that he plays doing what he does. He, I just, sometimes I just like guys that play with a lot of heart and that look like they shouldn't be there, but are anyway, or, mm-hmm. you know, I just kind of maybe gave him a little bit of a bump for that, but I think okay. his, his advanced numbers, let me look at it real quick to be sure, but I'm pretty sure his, his advanced stats are pretty, pretty on par with everybody else I have in that tier, um, like player efficiency ratings and things like that. Um, yeah. his counting numbers aren't the greatest, but he brings a lot to that team. I mean, let's be honest, like, and his canter is a pretty good scorer in the NBA and he yeah, can't even get on the, like he doesn't even get on the court and mm-hmm. you know so how how bad is he defensively because Daniel Tice doesn't look like he should be a good defensive center and he and he is fairly good at least he was well, he's also pretty athletic he's mm-hmm. you know before his injury i would say he had more leap but he still's got a you know a good amount of bounce in his step i think that you know his athleticism helps out he is like you mentioned he's about 67 six, 68 which is hardly what you're looking for in a starting NBA center is a rim protector. Right. Mm-hmm. And that it, it, I do kind of still feel that that hurt them towards in, in that series with Miami. Oh, it certainly they, did. I think they could have uh, used another big man to put in there. And Robert Williams just wasn't quite ready. He had some flashes, but he could, he could be you know, on this list in a year or two. Um, but, you know, just like looking at his numbers last year compared to his career numbers, you know, he, sh- he had a 60% effective field goal percentage, which is, is kind of what, I see as like a cutoff for like, that's a really good year for guys yeah, when they're, they're above 60%. Year. You know, he had 18 for his player efficiency rating. So a little bit above average, it's pretty on par with everybody else in this group. But yeah. The that's big one for average. me. The big one for me was, um, with the win shares. Mm. Um, he's got six and a half for the year. And I believe that puts him in like the top 50 or 60 of the entire NBA for total win shares for the year, which, you know, again, no metric is perfect, but it is kind of a a 
a quick way to put a number on on how much a guy actually does affect his team's winning and losing. Yeah. And it's something that I kind of used a lot to determine like, okay, does this player go above this player? Does this player belong in this category or this category? Because he was he was in my last category just off the top of my head when I was just looking at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like James Harden had 13 win shares and then there was four other guys with more than 10, 10 or more. And his 6.3 put him at 27th in the NBA in win shares. Right. So that's, that was probably a big part of what I was thinking when I, when I did that, um, you know, thinking back on it now, like that's, that surprises me just looking at it. Now he had more win shares than TJ Warren, more than Gallinari, more than SGA, more than Joel Embiid, you know, well, so it kind of, it, it's not really surprising to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Because when, when you think about how win shares are formulated, it's basically just like a, uh, it's basically mm-hmm. like a like a plus minus almost, mm-hmm. you know, where it's, it's more of a team. It to me, like those types of numbers speak more to like team success, right? Because yes, like individual statistics do matter, right? But also mm-hmm. he's the beneficiary of spending a lot of time with guys like Jason Tatum, Kimber Walker, Gordon Hayward, Jalen Brown, like, and because you have to have like all of those guys contributed to their team winning more games than those aforementioned players that you named, right? And being the beneficiary of playing alongside those guys, of course, his win shares would be up higher than some of those, you know, bigger, more attractive names, if, if that makes sense. Right. And I mean, honestly, if you just think about it logically, a team that wins 60 games is going to obviously have more win shares than a team that wins 30. Correct. So it, it does it does factor into it. But just the fact that he's 27th overall in the whole league, like, yeah. it, you know, Boston wasn't, you know, the number one team record wise. It's not like they blew away the competition and he was just, you know, buoyed by everybody else. He did mm-hmm. benefit from that for sure. But, you know, you can say that about any team. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and and that's why I'm just saying, like, he, the, he the tails well on that roster. Yeah. The tails to your head of that coin that we're talking mm-hmm. about. Right. Like when you just right. look on the other side, like and that's why they, there's no exact formula like even the eye test right like you'll look at an eye test and be like oh man this guy can really dribble the ball oh, this guy can really shoot but like how efficient is he like how mm-hmm. how does he hurt the player the other players around him you know does he take the ball you know out of a guy who's you know actually a, a better shooter than he is you know how does that mm-hmm. affect the team right so like when there's people who talk about like the eye test or like analytics and stuff like that like you can you can find glaring holes in each theory. That's mm-hmm. why you need all of these, you know, to make an effective and informed decision. Right. Right. And it, it, that's exactly what I tried to do. You know, my at first, just thinking about him and thinking about what I saw him do this year. Yeah. He had a lot, he did a lot of things that I liked, but you and I are really into basketball and we watch it a lot and we absolutely, study it. you know, a lot of casual fans see him and probably think, you know, they need to get rid of him and get a big, nice, big <laughs> defensive center. He, you know, what's he doing out there? But, you know, they don't they don't see the little things like, like some people like some people like us do like but, setting screens, so I, you know. Right. Um, so I kind of tried to, yeah. to take that into account a little bit when I was thinking about him from a just an eye test point of view to an average fan. He probably doesn't look like anything special. And then the number the, the advanced stats are really good for him. So the, mm-hmm. the truth probably lies somewhere in the middle in between. Absolutely. And so I, I tried to reflect that as much as I could. I will say, though, that analytics did drive a lot of not my overall like tiers more so when i actually ranked every player versus each other like that you know that was basically the uh the the deciding factor in a lot of those situations which is fair because like in 
and you're not saying anything that general managers and, you know, president of basketball operations don't say like a lot of people look at it, look at those specific numbers. Mm -hmm. Right. So, I mean, again, this is, we, we both have the same cake, you know, we just cut it the way that we want to eat it. Right. Like that's really what it comes down to. Mm -hmm. What kind uh, of cake is it? It's well, I mean, for me, it's, you know, buttercream, vanilla cake, I'm allergic to chocolate. So, oh man, I didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, oh, yeah. my wife doesn't have to share, right? So right yeah. there, you go. She's my a wife might, My wife might be allergic to chocolate. She hasn't eaten it in quite a while because it was making her sick. So oh. something you guys have in common. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm still alive, so I think she'll be okay. So good, good to know. <laughs> absolutely. And again, Daniel Tice, like for this season, absolutely, I agree with you. Was a capable starter. I just, I was mm-hmm. kind of just curious on that because yeah, I could see somebody who isn't as up to snuff on basketball as us being like. I've heard of almost every other play on here. Who the heck is Daniel Tice? You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. kind of how you were saying earlier. Right. And to your point about, you know, you know, analytics not being perfect. I told you about this, but this will probably make me sound even crazier than I already do. The other <laughs> night I the other night I couldn't sleep. I read an 83-page math report from some researcher at I think he was Harvard or Yale mm-hmm. on trying to determine using a million different stats, running this model that he made 10 different ways, try to determine if you could tell how good an NBA player was going to be based on college stats and which stats actually made the biggest difference. And every time they ran it a different way or like, you know, one time they'd run it for your whole career. One time they'd run it for just your senior year or just your freshman year because most most NBA draft picks come out after their freshman year. They were completely like... They even count, They even added in things like what team they played for, and it <laughs> seemed like when you ran the freshman seasons, the players that went to Kentucky and Duke, that mattered more than almost every numerical stat. Mm-hmm. But you ran those those same numbers with the same players for the same year with the one thing changed in the model, it was completely different. So yeah. basically, they were just saying they used like the highest end math that they knew how to use. They used every different way they could, and they really couldn't get a too much of a correlation between the two to really determine what is going to, you know, make a player good. So I don't think there's any real way to, to just look at numbers and be able to discern, uh, you know, the game very well. The, there's what we call a human element involved, mm-hmm. right? Like exactly. it, you know, a lot of it is just the players, you know, give a darn, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like how much they want to be great. Like, how much does success in college or success in high school affect, you know, how their work ethic moving forward? Mm-hmm. Like some people are per- perfectly fine being the best basketball player to ever come out of their high school, mm-hmm. you know, and then they, they kind of pay for it in college or and vice versa. Go ahead. It's amazing oh, to me to see how often guys flourish as the second or third guy. But as soon as they're thrust into that, that bigger role, they just, it either overwhelms them or just something changes or vice versa. There's some guys that just don't do well as the second banana and then they get a shot. And next thing you know, they're trading the guy that they that was injured or that was out <laughs> that gave him that chance to get there to be number one, you know, right. and they never, and you never would have thought that. So it's interesting to see, you know, that's what you mean by the human element of it for sure. And if it was all numbers, you know, Russell Westbrook and James Harden would have a title would have like six rings combined by now. If all they cared about was yeah. stats, you know I mean? Russell Westbrook had insane three years in a row. 
Yeah, so, I mean Giannis would would is probably supposed to be a, an NBA champion right now. Mm-hmm. You know, you I mean? know but so, something something happens to those guys in the big moments. They're just they're not themselves. It's just like you said, it's the human part of it, human element that you can't mm-hmm. quantify, correlate, or account for. Right, so. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, it's it's impossible, but again, we we do our best. You know, we're all given the same cake, and I'm not going to walk down that analogy again. Mm-hmm. All right, so going down to your capable starters, I got two names. Mm-hmm. Actually, yeah, I'll just I'll say two. I got two names that I think should be higher. And again, okay. like I I feel like I kind of know your reasoning for putting them there. I know mm-hmm. that it's you know a lot of a lot of analytically driven mm-hmm. uh, data in here. But Kristaps Porzingis and Shea Gilgis Alexander. One, okay. I think that Shea Gillis Alexander had a great season. And I think that you would agree with me. Mm-hmm. I think that he did prove himself to be a capable starter. Mm-hmm. But I think For he's sure. gonna he's gonna be given more of an opportunity in Oklahoma mm-hmm. City moving forward in the immediate future, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that prognostication probably didn't go in, into this as much as some other areas, right? Mm-hmm. But like, if you look at how Shea did last season w- with a limited role. And now he's going to be coming into Oklahoma City, probably the captain of the offense. Mm-hmm. You know, learning underneath Chris Paul. If if you could fast forward it, you know, to you know, through the future, watch SGA play and, and then come back and fix your list, would you do you think that he's still going to be a capable starter by the time the year is done? Or do you think that he's a capable starter coming into the year? No, uh, just to get that out of the way uh, this i don't think really hardly anybody will be right where they are next year i think it'll it'll change a lot i mean there'll be some obviously some guys sure. are who they are but someone like him like he's probably one of the 10 or 15 guys i'm most excited about in the nba you know mm-hmm. he's he's on the right part of his career to already be doing this good you know he's only gonna get Absolutely. better i think he's gonna be a multiple time all-star when it's all said and done especially once you know you see like the role he had this year and what he was able to do and when he gets out from under Chris Paul, whenever that does happen, I think he's he's going to flourish even more. But just, you know, this year for, you know, based off of last year, not too much really how I think this year is going to go. It was more just kind of what I saw from them last okay. year. And and I just felt like that's where he that's where he fit. You know, I think he's already a capable starter in, in his second year in the NBA. That's that's a big deal to me. Yeah, um, drafted think, where he was, too. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I think he was like 12 or 13. Yeah, he he fair he um you know compares really favorably to to some of the guys on this list, you know. Mm-hmm. So he probably could be higher. Do I think he's better than Andrew Wiggins already? Yes. <laughs> Do I have Andrew Wiggins ahead of him? Yes. So you know, it's not a perfect ever system. so slightly, ever so right. Slightly. It was back and forth, and it was. I kind of almost feel like I just wanted to reflect my thoughts on Andrew Wiggins there more that he's not as bad as the media is kind of making him out to be like everything I hear hear about him is that he's just going to be this negative for their roster. He's not going to have the the usage rate and the role that he had in Minnesota. He's not going to be the worst shooter in terms of volume in the NBA because he's not going to be taking that many shots. He's going to be a pretty capable third or fourth option i think so you know i just felt like he gets kind of a bad rap so fair enough to get off point porzingis was a, a big factor and it was injuries he can't mm. seem to stay healthy and i do think health is a skill you know to an extent you can you can you can kind of evaluate it that way you know there it's something to be said about lebron james missing like what 20 or 30 games the injury in the last 10 years 
and it was all like last year. Yeah, most you know, of he them almost, were last he year. He almost never gets hurt, and the, the you know the way he plays and how often he goes to the rim. And people can say he's a, a he's a flopper, and he does sometimes, but that's part of the game too. But oh, a lot of times, NBA player flop. A lot of times, people forget he's six foot eight, two hundred and sixty pounds, going full speed, and this dude just grabbed him and yanked him to the floor with one arm. Like they, that's a a, a big time collision, no matter if you're flopping a little bit or not. Like he's mm-hmm. a, just a big dude, and for him to never really get injured, you know, that says so, something about he's doing something right. And, and sometimes it's just genetics and you can't help it. You know, like Greg Elden didn't do anything wrong to cause his injuries or anything. He just yeah. he had bad feet and a I'm lot worried that Porzingis do. might have bad knees. And if he does, that's a, that's a kiss of death for a big man. Okay. Which I, I could, I was even kind of thinking that too. Like, I, mm-hmm. I mean, you can't talk about Kristaps Porzingis without immediately, you know, or not even immediately, but maybe your secondary or tertiary thought is injury. You know, because he mm-hmm. he got injured in New York. He was, you know, obviously they traded and acquired him while he was injured, you know, and right. they were kind of betting on him being right when they had him and Luca together. So, mm-hmm. you know, he did play extremely well when he did play mm-hmm. this year. So I was curious as to I kind of had a suspicion, but I just kind of wanted to draw that out I, of you I just, a little bit. You know, I think my a lot of it was when thinking about it, you know, yeah, when he's out there, he adds a lot of value, but how much value can you add when you're playing 50 games a year instead of 82? You know, I mean, there's a there's a ceiling to what you can do if you're not out there the whole season. Kawhi you know, Leonard won a championship, I'm just saying. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but that's probably more the exception, not the rule, right? Right. So. We saw what happened this year. Yeah. All right. Well, under your high-end starter list, I have... I got two guys that I want to talk about, uh-huh. and uh, I think the opinion of the and it's interesting that they are in the same tier because I think that when you look at one guy, you would say, "Oh wow, like this guy is so much better than this than this mm-hmm. other player, right?" Like he, mm-hmm. why is he even in this tier? Like maybe he should be significantly higher. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's Paul George, right? Playoff mm-hmm. P. I know that the opinion of him has soured, especially you know with the way that he performed in Oklahoma City with getting. You know, one of the luckiest shots in NBA, you know, history from Damian Lillard putting out the Oklahoma City Thunder. And then again, another lucky shot, you know, crazy shot, you know, by Luka Doncic in in the playoffs and then getting put out by Denver. You know, it's you know the, the Clippers were supposed to, you know, take L.A. And, you know, I thought very highly of them. I thought that they were going to you know, win a championship this season. And boy, was I wrong. I'll admit that I was wrong. But Paul George as a high-end starter. Do you, do you, you truly feel that way? Or is that just the way that kind of the, the, the uh, formula or the, you know, just the way the information was presented to you? It's just like, okay, this is what he is. You know, I, I try to make my own, you know, case for each guy i try not to listen to what the media say too much but Mm -hmm. i do kind of feel that he is more the exception to my um my formula for doing this than anything because if you just look at his numbers yeah he belongs higher than this Mm -hmm. but i mean he had a chance to beat the heat in in indiana and he choked he had a chance when they were in oklahoma city they had two guys that were in the top three three or four for mvp voting and he choked and, you know, the this year was a total choke job by that whole team. Yeah. And it just seems like he's – he. I would love to be 
the Paul George of my workplace because he's pretty good. He's, he's good <laughs> at his job and everybody acts like he's amazing at his job. When in reality, in the big moments, he's, he's not really that great. He does add a lot of value on both ends of the ball. He does play really well. You know, he's going to have, you know, probably 15 or 20, 30 point games. He's probably going to guard one of the better players on the other team. So yeah, uh, you know, just traditional, overall stats he definitely would be higher than most of these guys on this list but that's where just the the overall narrative around him and what he's what he's done and what's happened to him in these games like you said those crazy shots but it was also you know he brings it on himself you know he makes up his own nickname calls himself playoff <laughs> P, and then has two or three of the worst playoff performances in recent memory you know he's in a gatorade commercial hitting a game-winning shot in slow motion when he's never hit a game-winning shot in the nba and he's and even like i think like two or three games after that commercial came out he had a chance at a game-winning shot and he absolutely bricked it mm. and it's just sometimes guys just can't answer the call when they're needed to for whatever reason and i think that's what's what you're seeing with paul george because honestly just about every other guy on this list if he's playing his absolute best and at his peak, you know, potential, he's way better than probably everybody on this list, save maybe one or two guys. I was and, I was gonna say maybe two to four guys, but I mean that's yeah. not that's again preference, right. right? So and but you know, at the end of the day, Jamal Murray turned it on in the in the big moments. Donovan Mitchell did the same thing against he's each back, other. Zach Levine and Bradley Beal haven't really gotten an opportunity to, but I mean, you know, they just they they, you know, compare pretty favorably statistics wise with Paul George. And at least we haven't seen them fail. You know what I mean? We don't know what's going to happen if they get in that moment yet. I mean, we kind of do. We kind of the book's kind of out on Paul George, I think. And I just I feel like for a long time he was underrated and then he went way overrated. And mm. now he's going to kind of fall back to where he really belongs. OK, yeah. And just to be fair, he's in the same tier as Clay Thompson, of you know, multiple time champion, one of the best, mm-hmm. you know, microwaves in the NBA. But the the guy that I want to bring up and I'm sure you probably know where I'm going. This is, you know, he's a darling in my eyes. And mm-hmm. that's Marcus Smart, my reigning blue guy of the year. I love, love, love Marcus Smart. I love that you have him as a high end starter. Right. Mm-hmm. I, you actually had him higher than I did, you know, because mm-hmm. I just. I, I love smart so much because he does everything that nobody else wants to do. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And he can give you more than that. Right. So like you have Marcus smart and I'm going to read some of these other names. I know that you already said it. Marcus smart is in the same tier and ahead of some guys such as Pascal Siakam, Clay Thompson, Donovan Mitchell, Paul George, Zach Levine, Bradley Bill, CJ McCollum, Kyle Lowry and Jamal Murray. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jalen Brown, his teammate, D'Angelo Russell, John Wall, like he is DeMar DeRozan. He's he's in this company and a lot of people may be surprised to see him here. Right. Mm-hmm. Why does he make sense being here to you? Um, for starters, I think he's the best perimeter defender in the NBA. Um, I think that was a big part of it for me is just the the value that he adds without even ever having to touch the ball, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not like he can't score. I mean, if you guys, oh. anybody listening and remembers him in college, like he was one of the leading scorers in college in his senior year, he can really score the ball. He just knows that's not what this team needs. And when we were, when we had uh, Lee on, we were talking about the draft, we talked about Tyrese Halliburton. He just was talking about how he knew his role. And you don't see a lot of young guys coming in that are willing to take whatever roles available to make the team better. 
And Marcus Smart has done that since day one in the NBA. You know, he was the top five pick, wasn't he? You know, he he was everybody thought he was going to be this high scoring star guard, and he's turned into a, a defensive, you know, player of the year candidate year in and year out. He can get you those big points when you need him. He hits big shots. He's not afraid to take them. I think on a team that has a lot of big, fairly big personalities, he's definitely the vocal leader of and the heart and soul of that team. Mm-hmm. You know, you put it best when you made him the glue guy of the year. Like I can't think of a better just like poster boy for the, for what I consider a glue guy, but he's almost too good to be a glue guy. He's just, yeah, he's, he's almost so, outperforming he that. So understands what his team needs from him to win that he's able to, just do whatever they need. And that's hard for a lot of guys. Yeah. I wholeheartedly agree. I I took a lot of that into account. Yeah. And you were, you you were slightly incorrect. He was sixth overall. Oh man. So right there. But, um, yeah, I, I love Marcus smart. Like I, I have slowly become just a Boston Celtics fan in general. I hate to say it, but I have too. I and, and it's crazy because like I've never been like a Boston Celtics guy, but like when I think about like who are one of the coaches that I respect the most in the NBA, it's Brad Stevens. Mm-hmm. When I consider, you know, a guy like we were talking about my glue guy of the year, Marcus Smart. How can you not like watching him? You know, one of my mm-hmm. one of my favorite players just to watch in the NBA. You could put him in whatever jersey you want, and it's Jason Tatum. You know, I love Jalen mm-hmm. Brown. I just so much about the Boston Celtics that I like. I just get excited when I watch them, and it's not born out of anything else other than just pure respect and appreciation for what their players and coaching and their general manager do, and like how you know everything about the team is just like it's really hard to not be able to respect and appreciate. So right, I'm I'm with you on that, man. It's even harder for me to admit that I, I love that's a Laker. Man. I I will just do my best to pretend it's not green and white out there and just watch the players because one thing I have gotten better at as I've gotten older is appreciating good players regardless of who they play for mm-hmm. yeah after playing the Lakers in the finals I want Jason Tatum to go over 20 every game you know I'm just gonna be honest that's what I want as a Lakers fan but as a as for in terms of a fan of the game obviously I want him to be at his best and the Lakers to beat him anyway mm-hmm. but you know that's neither here nor there. It's just Jason Tatum was a guy you and I even talked about. I, I made it like a point not to really watch him when he first came into the league (laughs) because I just don't like the Celtics. I never did. And the more and more I watched him, the more and more he got better. You just can't help but be excited about this team. They're all still young. You know, they're on the right end, the right side of 30, at least Kemba's a little bit older, but the other three or four are all pretty young. And, you know, how can you not be excited about a young team that's so good that they've got a guy in Gordon Hayward who averaged almost 18 points a game last year, and every fan of the team wants him out, wants him gone. We got to get rid of him. You know, a lot of teams would love to have a Gordon Hayward, and, and, and they Kyrie Irving the year before. Yeah, like, good uh, that's a different story. I don't know if a lot of teams would want Kyrie Irving to be honest. I think a lot of guys, maybe the players would. Uh, yeah, the fans, I don't know. I think he rubs a lot of fans the wrong way. You you may be right. You may be right. But, you know, it's just crazy to me to think about that. Like, they don't even really have a, much of a role for him going forward if they want these their other young players to expand their game even more. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's still a really good player. Yeah. And what I love about Marcus so much and like just eye test only here is what I'm saying. Like, mm-hmm. if nobody else is hitting, 
Marcus Smart can come out there and just crank some threes and hit mm-hmm. some rid- like in the bubble, man. Like he was one of their best players, if not their best player, for several games. Mm-hmm. You know, and oh by the way, then he'll go and guard Pascal Siakam. Right. You know what I mean? Like that's he'll and, carry an offense and then go and guard a guy who is like let's be six, honest, seven he, taller. He made Pascal Siakam look look kind of bad too. He absolutely bullied him. He overpowered him, and he's you know it just it's crazy to see and it's just like i like that you know i i I think you know that shows what what he's got you know he's a dog you know he's he's got a big heart he is he's a dog and you know like you said one of those games against uh toronto he was like hadn't made a shot for three quarters and then hit four or five threes in the fourth quarter just to start the quarter like Mm -hmm. he's not afraid to take those big crazy shots even when he's not hitting and you know that's not always great but i'd rather have a guy that's confident in himself enough to take that shot than someone that's that's on the fence about whether he should any day of the week Mm -hmm. just to make it to this level of basketball you have to know how good you are Um, otherwise it's just it's never going to really work i heard a story about uh duncan robinson apparently uh had one of his friends from high school come stay with him in the bubble and Mm -hmm. like freaked out like a giddy schoolgirl when lebron came up to him and like dapped him up and said what up dunk (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, he was on the NBA radio talking about how he doesn't feel like he belongs in the NBA, like he's not living his own life. And, you know, they like the guys on the radio show were saying that that's a, kind of a bad thing for him because until he real he's never going to be as good as he can be until he realizes that he does belong. And he, yeah, that's that's what where we talk about those guys that are like delusional, that they're always going to be the best. Psychopaths. Right. Jimmy you Butler. Have, have a little of that. And if you don't, it's like um, imposter syndrome. You're just you're never going to reach your potential. Yeah. Well, I mean, and there are some exceptions to those rules. Like you never really saw Tim Duncan like right demonstrating that he is was like one of the best to ever do it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there are on occasions, right? Like some guys who are just kind of happy to be there and just will quietly become one of the best to, to you know to ever do it. Like I said, right? But yeah, Tim Duncan I, almost kind of seemed like he just knew how good he was and just didn't have to say anything. Not even that he just just happy to be there. More like he's just like, you can't touch me anyway. I don't even need to talk. Mm-hmm. It's like that upset players more than anything. You know, right. that like, you're not saying a word hitting, you know, 1940s bank shots on you scoring 30 <laughs> points a night. Yeah. And block and putting up five blocks a game. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's just kind of like, Oh, Hey man, like you're having a really good game. Oh, you know, Thank, thanks for coming out. Appreciate mm-hmm. you. Appreciate you, you know, competing against us today. You know, mm-hmm. Right. Um, I have a couple guys I want to kind of talk about on your list a little bit. Please. Nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, one of them is we already talked about uh, Draymond, Paul Millsap. Hmm. I'm uh, I'm a little down on him. I think he's his best days are behind him. You know, I I think he's coming down towards the tail end of his career, so to speak. And his numbers dropped off considerably this last year. He wasn't as big of a part of that Denver team as he's been in the past. And I just, I don't know, super starter doesn't sound like it fits for him. Yeah. But I, I don't know if he belongs in the tier below it either. It's just, he's he's one that I had lower that I noticed you had on there. Yeah. And to be honest, like he's a name that I was like, what side of the fence do I put him on? Right. Like, mm-hmm. do I call him just a capable starter? Or, or do I say super starter, right? And last season was probably the biggest year where you could like probably drop him down a peg, right? But mm-hmm. 
what you know denver's defense was one of the best defenses in the entire nba and let me just run some names by you just to kind of see what you think of them defensively jamal murray what do you think of him defensively mm. kind of a, a a windmill you know just okay. kind of like spins around when the guy goes by him okay um like a top what about um nikola Jokic? he's like a loaf of bread just kind of stands there he's completely unathletic you know, unless he gets unless he gets a great jump on on your the play, uh, you know, sees it coming, you're you're pretty much gonna t- torch him every time. Okay, Michael Porter Jr. Capable doesn't seem like he wants to. I think he'll get there right eventually. now in his career. Right now, not very good. Okay, would you agree that those are the three guys that you're probably looking to build around mm-hmm. down the line, sure. and like we're probably three of the better contributors, like Will Barton. Mm-hmm. Well, how would you how would you describe him defensively at the position they had him? He was guarding oh. small forwards. Yeah, I, I, he's out of position for sure. I mean, he's better than the, he doesn't belong in the same category with those other three. But you're, I get what you're saying. He's not a great defender either. Right. So what made Denver's defense as stout as it was was Paul uh-huh. Millsap, you know, the yeah. unsung hero mm-hmm. of this team, you know, the elder statesman of this team. He right. he did so much that where you can play a defensive liability at center and still be one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. You like right. you, your guards are letting people go by them. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, he didn't do anything extremely sexy on the offensive end, but he's still very capable. You know, he's, he's evolved into a great spot up shooter. You know, he's a, he's a capable passer. He's a great pick and roll partner, you know, because he can pop and roll. Um, he's a very decent rebounder. Doesn't really need to rebound because what they do is they like to let Jokic rebound and kind of bring the ball up the court and let everyone kind of, you know, get set in the offense, right? So, mm-hmm. and it helps Jokic kind of catch his breath a little bit, right? So, I think when I look at all the intent, like when I say look at the intent, like the stuff that you can't really quantify or correlate, mm-hmm. right? Like when you look at the way that Denver's defense is consistently one of the best in the NBA, but you look at that cast of players that they have on that team. It all boils down to, you know, Paul Millsap. That's why I call him a super starter mm-hmm. because when you can elevate a team's defense in such a way, almost like an Al Horford, you know, a couple seasons ago in Boston, right? Like he mm-hmm. didn't get a lot of blocks or steals or anything. He was just a hustle guy and a deterrent. Like, and mm-hmm. that's how I look at Paul Millsap. Yeah. And, and it's, and, you know, if you think back a few years ago, he was an offensive nightmare for teams too. He scored yes. a lot more and he doesn't look like a, he would be an elite defensive player either. I mean, he's a, a big in shape athletic guy, but he just doesn't look like, you know, an elite NBA defender in today's game. And he is, you're right about that. And, you yeah. know, he's had a, a lot better career than I think people would have, you know, projected for him. He has um, a second round draft pick. Absolutely. And, and then, then too, like, I'm sorry to cut you. I just got one question for you, and I'll give it right back. If you, all the names that I just ran off to you, like right now in his career, would you want Paul Millsap to have a bigger role in that offense? Or do you want him just to be, you know, kind of ring the bell whenever it's asked of him? You know, which he does still. Like he Mm -hmm. still does that. He does definitely. He definitely, you know, he's with the guy we just talked about, Marcus Smart. You know, he, I think, obviously, personally, I think he's a lot better overall oh, talent sure. wise but they do kind of the same thing that are able to you know play whatever part they need to play and you know you made a good you made some good points he's just he was one that one of the few ones that i saw that i even kind of questioned um you know victor oladipo if he's healthy and returns to form he definitely belongs at least yeah. as high 
but you know, I don't think that it doesn't look like that's in the cards for him, but hopefully it is. Um, one yeah. other guy, where, where is it? I had it for a second. I've lost well, it. well, while you're looking, I just want to say for Paul Millsap, you know, he did average almost 12 points per game this last year. But if you look at his efficiency, right from, from, you know, inside the three point line, he was 50% from the floor from outside the three point line. He was 43% from the floor. Right. So that all boils down to about 48% overall. Right. So his free throw, he wasn't a liability there. Shot 74% there. Gave you about seven rebounds per game while Nikola Jokic is averaging a double-double. He gives you a still on a block a game and turns the ball over less than two times a game. Right. And, you know, he's a veteran NBA player. He does all the little things like you said. He doesn't really make mistakes. And, you know, I probably overlooked some of that stuff thinking about him. You know, you made a good case. He just, like I said, I can't really hardly find a guy that I don't feel like belongs in this group. So he was almost kind of for each. Um, the other one. But again, like he was kind of, he was on that line for me as well. So I totally get that and understand that. And the other one, I'm not sure if you already mentioned him or maybe you're higher on him than I thought and high, even higher than I am. Is I don't remember last week's list too well. Did you have Demar Derozan on either of your tiers last week? Um, Demar Derozan, no, I did not. You have not named him yet. Okay, nope, not well, then, yet. Then I don't have too much to say about it. I wasn't sure if he was last week or because I had a hard time figuring out where to put him. Yeah, and it looks like you really- had him pretty high on high end starters, mm-hmm. and he's in you know prelude. He's in tier four for me, which I have lit labeled demi stars, and I think that he's mm-hmm. one of the most underappreciated players in the entire NBA. Like to me, he's like, I, you know, I like to, I like to try to correlate players from like previous generations. Some, I mean, maybe you've picked up on this. Like I'll say that, you know, James Harden is this generation's Carmelo Anthony, right? Like great score. Does, you know, Melo was a great rebounder. Harden's a great passer. You know, neither one of them are, you know, widely respected for their defense. Right. And they're just heavy volume scores sure they're really good at it but what does it do for their team you know what i mean like it'll help carry them to some kind of big games but i mean they they kind of reap what they sow a little bit by their playing style right like right. i kind of say that demar Derozan is a little bit i see a little bit of uh, rip hamilton mm-hmm. in him right like rip hamilton was a great mid-range scorer you know anytime that he'd come off a screen to that elbow, it was automatic. DeMar DeRozan, for the life of him, for whatever reason, he still shoots threes, um, sometimes a little bit, maybe not really, but still. Um, he's not a great three-point shooter, but he's a he's a really, really good mid-range player and is a great passer. He's actually somewhat capable of a defensive player. Rip obviously has the edge on him on that end for me, but I just think that um, they're both kind of underappreciated in their generation when they're surrounded by other great perimeter talent, you know, you just kind of almost forget about them. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, part of the reason that I had so much trouble where to put him is because for starters, I think he kind of got a bad rap when he left Toronto, mm-hmm. just for the fact that everybody acts like if you're not good enough to be the number one guy on a championship team, you're not worth anything. Like <laughs> right. being the second or third best guy on a really good team is still really good in the NBA. You know, but on the other side, all he really does that's elite is his scoring. You know, he he doesn't really rebound that well. He doesn't really get a lot of assists. He's, you know, his numbers defensively aren't bad, but they're not, you know, great. Over the top, yeah. But he, and and he can't shoot threes. He's not a, he's not a modern NBA player at all, but he still finds, you know, the creases and the places to get his shots off and he still makes it work. And, And, you know, so I think, he was originally a lot lower on my list, 
mm-hmm. when I went back and looked at it and thought to myself, like, you know, it was hard to evaluate San Antonio. They had a lot of injuries and they had a, a, a down year for them, but where would they would have, where would they have been without him? You know, it would have been real bad. You know, he yeah. was, he was the one, one, him and LaMarcus Aldridge were really all they had to write home about this year. All the young guys seemed like they were out every other game. But he was one that I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on just because I had trouble kind of placing him. I mean, something still needs to be said for a guy who can go out and consistently give you 20 a night. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Exactly. Like, I, I think that that does ha- obviously bring value to a team. Mm-hmm. Now, he's also kind of, you know, there wasn't a lot of spacing around him, too. So, like, that's a, that eye test feature. You know, our, our president of Off the Ball Network, Chris LeBron, is really high on Cole Anthony, whereas I'm not. But I get his case. When he brings up that the spacing that North Carolina had this season didn't really do him any favors. I kind of look at DeMar DeRozan this last year and like, okay, he had him, Marcus Aldridge, Rudy Gay, you know, DeJounta Murray, Derek White. Like, they're just mismatched pieces. Like, each one of Mm -hmm. these guys would almost be better away from each other. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And I think they fit very well together. Yeah. And DeMar, like, He's almost like a poor man's Jimmy Butler, right? Like mm-hmm. he gives you some defense. He's not elite. He's like great value Jimmy Butler, and I really don't mean that disrespectfully. He's like, like Jimmy Butler for the first three quarters of the game, and then Jimmy Butler takes it into another gear down the stretch, and Mark doesn't have that, I think. Yeah, he's like – he was like – he to me, he's like the opposite like end of Jimmy Butler coming out of college. Right? Like mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler like came into the NBA with something to prove because he was the last pick in the first round, mm-hmm. whereas DeMar DeRozan was kind of like, okay, he was very heralded coming out of college and you know just kind of played like it was owed to him. You know what right. I mean? But he's still very effective, very productive, but because he doesn't have like that sexy play style, that everybody, you know, just wants everyone to have. It's just like, eh, whatever. He's almost like in an Andrew Wiggins vein, which is funny because you have them both in your same, you know, well, almost mm-hmm. in your same tiers. They're, you know, a yep. tier separated. And, you know, it's tier five. When you think about it, sounds kind of low for some of these guys. You know, he's in the fifth best tier in the NBA. But my fourth tier is, is um, all-stars. And yeah. there's, there's not a whole lot of guys on here that you would argue – would have been all stars, maybe a couple yeah. that will be. There's some that will be for sure. There's probably about four or five on your list that I could see being an all star, mm-hmm. but that's what I was saying earlier. Like, I have my tier five listed as super starters, but I have a former league MVP on here. I have multiple time all stars on this team. You know what I mean? Like, right. The, the end, you know, as we get higher, our tiers get lower. My mm-hmm. tier four, believe it or not, is actually like, I think one, one name short right like it's 21 instead of 22 so mm-hmm. my demi stars and my super starters are actually pretty even but then it thins out from tier three on right and i just wanted to kind of highlight that you know when you're just looking at it right here like tier five like i, I really like his game but, but tier three is like the best of the best tier two <laughs> right. is like otherworldly and you know we'll get to that eventually. So it's just, yeah. you know, if your favorite player on here is lower in a tier than you think, you got to realize like the amount of players we evaluated is like the four best guys on every team and that's it. So realistically, yeah. if it was spread out evenly, they'd all be starters. So, it, you know, we kind of tried to do what we could with with that end of it. Yeah. Um one guy I do want to kind of talk about a little bit because I've had uh oh, oh, I almost forgot. I have a I want to talk to you about your what you just said about Cole Anthony a little bit. I've been yes, dying to talk about this. 
I'm not big, really big on him either. And here's what, here's what he, what I see. And it, it, that worries me. Do you remember where did Kyrie Irving go to college? He went to Duke. Duke. And he was treated like a God, wasn't he? I mean, he he played it. He was so good. I think he played like what, like three games or something Mm -hmm. crazy like that. He got injured. But everybody loved him. You know what I mean? Like he Mm -hmm. got media treatment. Like he was, you know, the next coming of Michael Jordan to some extent. Everybody was ranting and raving about him. And do you remember who came in after him as the point guard of Duke? Oh, um, 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 you're putting me on the spot. I can't remember off the top of my head. Austin Rivers. Austin Rivers. Yep. And Austin Rivers came into Duke expecting the Kyrie Irving treatment. And he he was pretty well renowned too for high school. He was, but it became apparent real quick that he wasn't on the level of Kyrie Irving. Correct. And he kind of never really figured that out. And that kind of followed him around the first four or five years of his career where he just, Mm -hmm. you know, we talk all the time about these guys having, you know, delusional confidence in themselves, but there's a limit to that where you just, it can actually hurt you if you go too far the other way, Mm -hmm. you know, you sometimes got to realize who you are. And and one would argue that the perception of Jimmy Butler, Mm -hmm. you know, even just two seasons ago because mm-hmm. he thought that highly of himself. Like people were thinking, we're calling him like a team, like a, like a, a detriment to a, a right, locker room. Was a cancer. Right. When it turns out, it was probably the other way around and seems like Embiid and Simmons are hard to get motivated. It seems like Harlan is hard to get motivated. And Jimmy Butler is like his baseline is like a hundred. You know what I mean? Yeah. But at the same time, I get what you're saying, but he's always backed it up pretty much since day one. You know, we just forget. Mm -hmm. We do. And it it just, it doesn't seem like it makes sense, but when you watch him, I mean, you you can't deny it. Um, But um, yeah. So forgot. I lost. My place. Sorry, you were talking about Cole Anthony. You were Cole kind Anthony, of uh, equating. Right, you were equating him to Kyrie you Irving. Lost my train of thought there, man. No, you're fine. <laughs> um, so I just feel like Cole Anthony kind of has this air about him, like he's just better than he really is, and mm. I worry that he's not going to fit into a locker room right away, and that he may kind of struggle with that because I don't know how good he's going to be this year. I think he could turn into a pretty good NBA player. But I, I just I don't know if right off right out of the gate he's gonna be the player that he thinks he's gonna be, and mm-hmm. he seems like he's got the personality where he's gonna kind of, you know, um, come in and try to be like one of the big dogs. And I just I just don't see that from him. Not that I don't think he's gonna be a good player, but mm-hmm. I just thought that was kind of something that it, it reminded me a lot of Austin Rivers because I always got that feeling from Austin Rivers, like he just felt like he was better than everybody else, and and. There's a, well, his dad to, turned out to be a really good NBA coach and a pretty decent right. NBA player too. So right, and and you know, I, I think that probably is actually like a negative for him because everybody sees the entitled coach's son. You know, he, mm-hmm. oh, his daddy played in the NBA, so he thinks he's great. You know, when even if he is, people somebody's going to say that about him. So you know, it's a little bit perception, a little bit how you you know kind of shape that perception. And well, I just I mean. I, Cole does have Greg Anthony as his father too, right. you know. So there is that, right. you know. It's and funny you know, he that grew you grew up around that. NBA guys. Mm-hmm. So it's hard not to have that, you know, extreme confidence when you kind of tested yourself against those guys. Yeah, I mean, when your DNA, like it's in your DNA, like that's what everyone's like. As soon as DNA, he's got to be great. Like it doesn't always work out like that. Ask Michael Jordan's, you know, kiddos. But I had one, yeah. one or two more things real quick. I wanted to get your thoughts on one thing. So. Sure. 
when you were doing this evaluation, what, how hard was it for you to determine, okay, this guy's a great scorer, but that's all he does. And mm -hmm. then here's this guy that isn't as good of a scorer, not, you know, really a big time offensive threat, but he does everything else really well. Like yeah. kind of go through like how you determined where you put guys in that, in that sense. Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, I think that kind of like how you did, right? Like you started out putting guys where you think that they were supposed mm -hmm. to be, right? Then you did your investigations and you looked at the analytics and things like that. You took a whole round measure and that helped shift guys around. And, you know, we talked to each other and we were like, oh yeah, I forgot about this guy. Like, how did I forget about this guy? And then, right. you know, then we had to go through the process again and sit down and like, okay, like, and, and you went through it even in more detail, right? Like, not only did you break them down into tiers, but within that tier, you rank them numerically and I, maybe that added more pressure to you. I don't know, but I was stressed out when, around <laughs> the middle of the fifth tier. I was like, why am I even ranking these guys? This is ridiculous. They're exactly the same. Right. It was, and then I, I, I got a little flustered a couple of times trying to, trying to figure it out. And then when I had these like rough little, you know, amoebas almost, right? Like I didn't have any like system or structure to it. I just had names and I'm grouping them. I'm like, all right. Um, I looked at these guys analytically I watched them all play several times, multiple times, like hours of film I've watched on all of these guys. Um, you know, I have them shaped somehow. I'm not even going to bother numbering them because I'm going to drive myself nuts. Right. But I want to group them into who I think in, in, in all likeness, like how do they equate to winning? You know what I mean? Like then I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, you know, Marcus Smart may not be the biggest name, but he impacts winning, you know, like, who would I rather have between, you know, Drummond or LaMarcus Aldridge? You know what I mean? Like, you know, it's almost like you like the project really unfolded in front of me really is what it turned out, what it turned out to be. And then I'm like, who would I? And then I got to the point when I got like to names that were just so similar statistically, um, you know, team wins and all of that. And I'm just like, at the end of the day, like, who would I just rather have? You know, and then when and also when I'm looking at these tiers, I'm naming them like I didn't have the names picked out. I'm like, OK, like all of these guys in one group, what would I call them? OK, like they're they're steady starters. You know, they mm -hmm. you know, you can put them in a starting rotation and they can help your team win. All right. Next group, super starters. All right. They're better. They're better than these guys, but they're worse than these guys. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they're steady starters or I'm sorry, super starters. Right. And then my three and four, I'm like. All right, what would I do if my stars and my super starters had a baby? You know, like that's what I looked at that tier. Like, okay, they're demi stars, right? Like it's like, a, you know, a god and a human, you know, had a, like Greek mythology roped into there too, right? So mm -hmm. it was basically just at the end of it when it got so narrow, I was just like, who would I just rather have in this tier? Right. Like who fits where? Like that, mm -hmm. it, it, at the end of it, after everything, it did come down to a human element for me mm -hmm. at the end of it. So, okay. yeah, I, I just kind of feel like looking over my list and now that we're going back over it live and doing this together, it's, I, it's first off, it's good to do because we kind of see some things that maybe we would change or maybe that we kind of are solidified in our beliefs on. So that's cool. But yeah, different I perspective. feel like, yeah, I almost kind of feel like I overdid it on not big time scorers that just score. I kind mm -hmm. of knocked just about every guy that doesn't do anything else real well. But, you know, like we were just saying, you know, scoring 20 points a game in the NBA is, is incredible. You know, and these guys are so good, it's unreal. 
you know, there's a lot of college stars that can't even get on the court in the NBA. And they're 10 <laughs> times right. better than anybody you and I have ever played with most mm-hmm. of the time. You know what I mean? And it's just, absolutely. so I, I just, I kind of like the, the guys that give you a little bit of everything, but Me too. I also feel like I maybe did a little bit of a disservice to some of the guys that just, just really light it up, light up the scoreboard. Um, and then the last guy that I just kind of wanted to discuss real quick is Andre Drummond. He's mm. kind of a polarizing player, I think in today's NBA because any other time period in the history of basketball, and he would be one of the highest paid, most talked about guys, I think, in the league. You yeah. know, it's 15 rebounds a game and 18 points a game for like three or four years in a row now. And the the talk about him is he's a dinosaur and he doesn't belong in the NBA and like just doesn't, you know, he doesn't fit the NBA anymore. And uh, I just recently watched the movie Moneyball. And it's, you know, it's about the Oakland Athletics and right. how they – they found value in all these players that the league didn't think had any value. And, you know, there's a lot to be said about guys that maybe, you know, the league's going small. Everybody's small ball. Well, look who just won the finals. The Lakers were huge. You know, (laughs) they went extra big and just said, all right, we'll put our good big guys against your good little guys and see what happens. And it worked out. And so I do think they did have a, like one of the best players to ever play right. on the I team. Mean, that, though, so. that that helps. And the, they had the big man they had was awful good too. But you bring <laughs> up a good point because the NBA is a copycat league. Like someone's going to look at the Lakers and be like, oh, they're huge. We just need big guys. And they're going to mm-hmm. completely ignore that. What we just said that LeBron James is, you know, one of, if not the best players to ever right. do it. That's like everybody trying to emulate the Golden State Warriors, right? Like, not everybody can shoot like Steph Curry and Clay Thompson. Like that's why it right. works is because they had the exact personnel necessary to make it work. Mm-hmm. You know, to that point, the Houston Rockets haven't really been a good three-point shooter, like a great three-point shooting team the last four or five years. They're pretty good. They, they seem most. like it because they take <laughs> 50 or 60 a game. Yeah. They only shoot like 33%. It's mm-hmm. not it's not that great. You know, they're not the Golden State Warriors, and that's the difference. You know, you can't do what other guys can do because that's why they're so good because only they can do it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so like you said, somebody's going to say, you know, well, look at the Clippers. They got tor- torched by Jokic and they, they didn't have a good enough center. They need to get a big, big time center. You know, the Celtics, oh, they didn't have a big enough center. They need to get an, a big center. A couple years ago, nobody wanted big centers. And yeah. it, it goes back and forth. There's always ebbs and flows. And I, I just think Drummond is a guy that, Kind of got lost in the shuffle for a while, but he's always been the same player. And I think you're going to start seeing he's he's got more value than maybe they they kind of try to give him credit for. And I had a hard time not putting him higher than I did on my list. I yeah, so I didn't have him as super starters. I had him as a steady starter. And the reason for that is, is like I put a premium of being able to stay on the floor in almost any situation. There, there are instances where Drummond just becomes a detriment to his team. He can't stay on the floor. He's not mm-hmm. a great as as much as you point to the scoring and the rebounding, he's not a great defensive center. Like he's not that big of a deterrent. He's he's right. actually pretty foul prone. You know and what I mean? You, you kind of have to take him off the court in free throw situations too cuz he's awful. Exactly. And so he's like not a little better, but he's awful. Well, and and that's the thing too. Like I, I keep bringing up this cake analogy, right? Like we both are looking at the same piece of cake, but like you know, maybe you like corner pieces and maybe I want my name on it. You know what right. I mean? Like I want this part that says happy Not birthday. Frosting guy. I love frosting. So there like you go. Me. Yeah, I like the frosting, <laughs> but there we go. So like 
you value him because he's a walking double double. He's very physical. There's little that an, an opposing defense can do to stop him when right. on offense, right? But like mm-hmm. you look at that part. I look at the part where like he can like he can get played off the floor pretty mm-hmm. quick. He can't like he can't stay on court defensively against a team like Golden State. Not really. And he can't create his own offense. Like mm-hmm. I put a premium on that. Like if you can't create your own offense, your defense better be like mm-hmm. one of the best in the entire NBA. Like if you can't stay on the floor. When you're on the floor, you better be able to dominate multiple areas of the game, and like that's right. just how I look at it, right? So, are his are his numbers empty numbers to you? Kind of. Uh, we it's, so like I used to be of that mindset where like he and Hassan Whiteside are another guy where you like look at these empty calorie numbers and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, like those numbers like represent like what actually happened during the game. Like, mm-hmm. so he, it's not like he put up fake numbers. Like those numbers like actually happened. He did score right. 18 points in a game. He did pull down 15 rebounds. Like, but where I think that empty, empty calorie piece comes in is like, how hard does he try? Like we get that a lot with Joel Embiid. Like, mm-hmm. man, I would love to be able to be so half-heartedly like into basketball to where I can just accidentally get 30 and 15. Right. You know what I mean? Like, how do you just accidentally get that? Like, say Shaquille O'Neal got the same criticism in his playing time now that he's gone. Like, everybody's like, oh, look at Shaq's number. You know, like, Shaq had a good time playing all basketball. People that are saying that were talking crap about all he did was, you know, push guys over and dunk. He couldn't really play. Yeah. So, I mean, like, there's it's all about perception and you brought that up earlier. Like I love doing this. Like this was a fun exercise. I would encourage anybody who's watching or listening to I'm do already, something similar. I'm already looking forward to doing it again next year. Cause yeah. I, I already see kind of things that I would change a little bit or how I would hone my, you know, kind of the way I did it and what I would do a little bit differently. I would probably put a little bit more emphasis on total body of work because I didn't really put any on that. Yeah. I would probably put a little bit more emphasis on projection for younger guys too. Because if you're looking at my list and thinking this is like where I think these guys are going to be all year or belong for their career, like that's crazy. Like there's some guys on this list that I think are going to end up on these two lists that are going to end up being way higher than I have them now. Mm-hmm. And some guys that a couple of years ago were way higher than I have them now. So, you know, there's a little bit on either side that I could probably – you know, take into account a little bit better for next year. So I'm excited to do it again. Yeah. And this is a fun series, man. And we're going to get more and more into it as we roll into, we're both going to be unveiling tier four together. We're finally going to be on the same page where we have a similar grouping of players, a similar number of players. And there's a lot of guys that, you know, I, I know your personal feelings on how they, and whether you like them or not. And I'm, I'm pretty surprised with where you put, put some guys that I thought you would put lower than you did just because you don't like their game, but you did a good job of kind of putting your biases to the side. I tried really, really hard. And like, maybe I kind of overcompensated with Marcus smart because I like where you have them, you know what I mean? Like, and the more like when I was talking about him, like, man, I had him as a steady starter. Like, but I also considered his role that he wasn't a starter. You know what I mean? So like, he's already a steady starter as a sixth man. Honestly, if I wasn't, quite so nervous about you know oh i'm putting a guy that's you know in the running for six man of the year in my high-end starters category that's gonna sound stupid you know if i don't worry about that i feel like i would have put some of those guys even higher than i did you know i i almost kind of toned down how i felt about some guys because it you know i felt like a lot of people would disagree but maybe not maybe maybe we know a little bit more than we think 
<laughs> yeah. And again, like this is the fun part where we get to talk about you know, a little bit what happened last year, a little bit what we think is going to happen next year mm-hmm. um, to some extent, maybe me more than you like. But again, like we're we didn't really put a lot of, um, you know, rules or preferences or anything like that. When we did this, we were just like, OK, let's run with this project. And this is what we got, you know, mm-hmm. and um, our president, Chris LeBron slash producer who came on and helped us out a lot, just popped in and said, great show legends. Chris, really appreciate you, man. You Thanks, do man. so much for our network. Yeah, you do so much for our network, man. And it's uh, it's an honor being able to serve alongside you guys, man. Y'all, y'all are all ghosts. Y'all are all legends. But Austin, I feel like this is a great place for us to kind of transition into our closing segment where we talk about sure. the work that we have going on future episodes and things like that. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it to you, man. What do you want to talk about? Okay. Well, we were supposed to do our first episode of our fantasy show this week, but schedules just weren't matching up and I wasn't going to be able to do back-to-back shows. I didn't get home in time to do it today. So Mm -hmm. um, I do have a co-host possibly lined up. We're going to do a test episode this week. And if it goes well, we're going to post it and we're going to have our, the fantasy show is going to be up for next week for sure. Finally, you know, I'm pretty sure it's going to go well from the initial meeting that i've had with him he, he definitely knows his stuff and he's he's excited to do it like i am that's something to look forward to it's going to be called the the um sharp money fantasy fantasy show um it's going to have a little bit of betting tips it's going to be a little bit of dfs a little bit of dynasty and in the first episode i'm going to kind of go in depth on how you really value defensive players individual defensive players for fantasy because there's not mm-hmm. a whole lot of leagues that really do it and even with the leagues that do it, it's hard to find a whole lot of content on, you know, what is valuable in in defensive players because it's not probably what you would think. So it'll be a pretty interesting show. I'm excited to do it. Um, I'm working on an article. You kind of inspired it a little bit. You did your, you know, how should nervous should you be where your team's drafting? I'm doing a list of the best and the worst draft picks of every franchise's history. And I'm not taking into account trades or anything. It's where what team drafted you. So Kobe Bryant is on the list as the Charlotte Hornets' best draft pick, even though he never played a minute for them. So Dirk is he uh, is he on the Milwaukee Bucks? He's not on the article, but he if he was the best draft pick ever, he would be. Mm, Okay, I don't think he is. Okay, I mean, might be though. I have to look at it again. I might be thinking of somebody else, but if (laughs) I haven't, I haven't finished it. So there were some interesting ones and. There were some really bad ones. There were some, you know, number five overall picks that have like negative every advanced metric. There was one guy that played <laughs> seven games, and he. There was one guy that was behind had had less win shares than two guys that played less than ten career games, and he played like a hundred and thirty. Oh, so there were some real duds. So not everybody's very. The, the NBA's not really that good at drafting, if you're really honest about it. It's hard. It's it's about a tough time. Four or five really get. get you know, really hit. So it's almost it a, like how we were doing our tiers, right? Like it's almost like that same type of thing. Like, do you value what they did as full body of work? Do you value their upside? Do you value, you know, the numbers? Do you value the eye test? Like it's the exact same thing. It's all evaluating talent. And then too, it's, it's also, if you're a fan of some of these teams, it's just, it's almost heartbreaking to look at who they could have had and what yes. happened. You know, a lot of those trades were done before the draft ever even happened. So they were already going to that team and they told them to draft that guy. But just mm-hmm. imagine if, you know, Kobe Bryant, Charlotte would be a completely different franchise. The Lakers would be a completely different franchise. Would completely change the whole face of the league if they hadn't done that. So it would be a pretty fun article. All right. Well, cool deal, man. And you can check out that article 
Um, mine is still up there. Austin just alluded to it. How worried should you be on where your team is selecting this year based off of their previous seasons? All of those things and more are all available on the Off the Ball Network website at offtheballnetwork.com. Highly encourage you guys to go and check that out. Uh, as for me, we have our football show that um, has been created and is going to be, you know, still in in its development stages. It's called CU Sunday, where we get you ready for all games going from Sunday to that following Thursday, which Thursday night football should look like another great matchup again, where we have the Seahawks and the Cardinals. I'm going to be with, you know, Couch Coach Live, a couple other folks. Austin, you gave me your picks. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to be there or not. I no. I think I can I can hop on if if you guys got room I I don't think I've got anything going on. It's an open invitation, man. I gotta it's ask a, the boss. You know, I gotta make sure my wife's okay with it. I, I totally I totally understand that. But um, you know, we have that going on. Um, this Sunday, Austin and I are going to be joined. We talked about it earlier by you know Coach Fa and Couch Coach Live. Um, we're going to be doing our coaching evaluation on you know the ten teams dating all the way back to when. You know, John Bielan was fired and J.B. Bickerstaff was named as his, per, you know, few, you know, potential long-term replacement um, all the way up until Oklahoma City hiring, uh, you know, what's his – it's really hard to say. It's like – Oh, I can't even begin to pronounce it. We'll, we'll have a better pronunciation for you here on Sunday. Right, let's save it, for, save it for next week so we don't, you know, disrespect the guy. <laughs> right, yeah, we don't want to we, – we just learned how to say Bjorkren, right? Right. So, we're, uh, we'll keep that trend going. But, um, yeah, we're going to be talking about all the way from, you know, Cleveland's coaching change all the way up until just what, like yesterday or the day before Oklahoma mm-hmm. City's coaching change. So you're going to have some fresh news. It did. We were all we were waiting on to do this show. Mm-hmm. We're going to be putting our rankings to the side. So it's not going to be a super long episode where we're doing right. all of this plus another segment. Right. The it's, rankings have to be separate. They're gonna, we, we could talk about those for 24 hours straight if we want to do. Oh, and then we um, also next Thursday, our rankings are going to be on hold again. So you got to wait yeah. a little bit longer to for the rest no. of our rankings. We're going to have to stretch it out. You guys are just going to have to wait. Sorry. Yep, for our for our top four uh, tiers, but we're gonna have David Shepard, uh, Austin. You're more familiar with him than I. Do you want to go and go ahead and give? Yeah, him a he's just a, a Twitter follow that I've liked for a long time. He he does these. He does like full length podcasts. But what I like if he does, he does like a little six or seven minute video of basically the topic, the hot points of every episode he does, and he posts that on his Twitter. So it's kind of a quick way to get you know, the important content that he's putting out there, but he is a writer for CBS sports.com. He used to be an ESPN researcher. So I'm really excited to just interview him about like his career path. You know, he's worked actually, I think two different times for ESPN. I was looking at his LinkedIn profile. Sorry, David, if I'm wrong on that, but it looked like it, that's how it looked. Um, And he's had a a lot of pretty interesting jobs. And I've, I've always kind of thought it would be cool to be like a, like a statistics researcher or like a, you know, the guy that gets the imaging and the stats for that, that segment of the show. Mm -hmm. I always thought that would be kind of an interesting career. And I just, I'm I'm pretty interested in to see what he has to say about that. And then we're also going to get his thoughts because he, he's been doing this a lot longer than we have. (laughs) Yes. little bit more of an expert maybe than us we're going to get kind of his thoughts on the upcoming season and just how everything's been so sped up and how what he thinks that's going to call what kind of difference he thinks that's going to make yeah and yeah so we got two really great uh shows coming up you know sunday and then that following thursday thursday is going to be recorded a little bit earlier around 6 30 
uh, just to kind of fit uh, David. And for Angel. anybody that watches us that hasn't watched those guys, what are you doing? Because those guys are great. They're so funny. It's going to be a fun show. They're, yeah, bring a drink, bring a laugh, mm-hmm. bring a friend, tell your friends, because I mm-hmm. guarantee you that we're going to have a good time when we have our buddies Coach Fa and Couch Coach live here on the show. We got the best coaches that Off the Ball Network have to offer. It's right. even in their name, so you know mm-hmm. that they're good. So please come. If you're, call, if you're called Coach, it's just you're called Coach. Everybody gets it. You know You know why. We're just going to be facilitating questions. We're going to be I'm, – I'm, I'm for real. I'm going to have a drink in my hand. I'm just going to ask questions. I'm going to let these dudes do what they do best and bring the entertainment. Austin and I will just try our best to keep up with those fine gentlemen. We'll, we'll throw our usual numbers and stuff in there and our note and our you know wherewithal about the game, and they'll, they'll provide the fun. Yeah, I know personally I, I can admit that I think I'm a lot funnier than I probably really am, so it'll be nice to actually have some fun guys on the show. As long as you think you're funny, bro, that's all that matters. Exactly. Right? Like, I don't. I don't care if anybody else laughs. I'm laughing. I'm making these jokes for me, man. No, there you go. All right. Well, um, we don't really have anything else other than that in the works. Of course, uh, our vice president, uh, Jeff Hunt, is stirring the pot just like he always does with his power rankings. Um, his power rankings for week nine last I look were like over twenty thousand views, mm-hmm. and uh, the ones that just released for week ten, like you know, less than three days ago, we're already at like 10,000 views. So uh, he's doing his normal stirring of the pot. Um, Be sure to check out all the great work that all of our gentlemen do. If I ran down the entire list, we would be here for another 15 minutes. I don't want to do that. But um, if you are interested and I have intrigued you, please go check out off the ball network. Definitely. Because all of their articles and all of their podcasts are conveniently located in one spot for you. So please go and check that out at offtheballnetwork.com. Austin, man, we have reached the conclusion of episode, what, 21? 21. 21. You know, Seems like the numbers have jumped up pretty quick here. It's been fun doing a couple shows a week. We had that time off. I was itching to do it. I'm glad we're glad yeah. we're back at it. I had to move across country, but yes. Yeah, I, you know, that little thing. <laughs> we are in episode 21 of a show that I'm just... I'm I'm thrilled to death to be able to do this with you, man. You're uh, the best co-host that a guy could have ever asked for, man. Well, thank you. I I feel the same way about you. (laughs) Again, happy um, anniversary, brother. Um, Go spend time with uh, Miss Mrs. Carr. Yeah. And make she's not already asleep. I don't think she is, but she might be. I think my wife is still doing college work, but anyway, We're let's let these people, people go. Bed early. Uh, us too, dude. I live in my PJs. Are you crazy? <laughs> All right, All man. Right. Well, it's been fun. Let's let these guys get out of here. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for watching and listening. Support the show. It's available wherever you get your podcasts. Reach out to us if you are, if you do happen to have a hard time getting a hold of it. Again, it's on offtheballnetwork.com. It's really easy. So please check that out. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter at BTG. NBA pod and you guys can find us everywhere else We're we're out there. So YouTube, please go and do that. everywhere YouTube, you know, go look up breaking the game. We're on there. Um, we're, we're everywhere. So um, Austin, before we go, man, say something nice to the people. You know, like I always say, thanks for listening. You know, you take time out of your busy day and your busy schedule to listen to us rant and rave about basketball players that sometimes some of you may have never even really known much about, but you know, so thanks for listening to us. I, I hope you learned something every episode. 
And if you didn't, I hope you, you get something good out of it. I'm sure, you, I'm sure you can find something good in every episode. I personally think we've gotten better every week. And so, you know, stay along for the ride and see where we go. I appreciate all the, all the support up to this point. And as always, be nice to one another. Don't be a racist. Wear your mask where you're supposed to wear your mask. Wash your hands, regardless if there's a, you know, yeah, wash disease hands. or an outbreak at all. Brush your teeth. Be nice to each other. You know, change your clothes. All that fun stuff. Don't wear dirty underwear. Don't wear dirty underwear. And be nice. Just be nice. That's all we ask of you. But um, for the Breaking the Game podcast, for my co-host Austin Gar, you guys have been awesome. We will catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one.